You're listening to the Power Platform People podcast on the CRM Audio Network with the bearded CRM guy Ian Connolly and the Mark Christie. The guys will take you on a journey of the Power Platform community. Here we go. So I'm I'm just Mark then. So you you get the bearded CRM You get to introduce yourself. You get to tag yourself. I know how much you love to say your name. Well, I'm just going to be Mark today then. All right. I'm just going to go in half. I, my toys are out of the pram already. See what happens when you don't give him his title. He's like a little prince. Oh, yeah. He just loves it. Well, it's, I, don't, I don't know. Is it Mark Christie. There we go. Is that even better for you? I don't know. I don't think there's any full stops or, or princess or anything in your name. It's the Mark Christie in one word. So how are you all anyway, right. sir? I'm all right. Cool. We've got quite a quite an interesting one today. So we're going to get straight into it today. We've got Anna Domeni with us today. How are we doing, Anna? Hi, I'm very well, thanks. Hey, hey. Happy to be here. Awesome. We're glad to have you here, definitely. I think you've got a, a good voice and this is certainly a good platform to use it on. So how are you and what's been happening? Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very well, thanks. Uh, what's been happening? Not much. Um, so... Here it is, not much. happening today. It's lovely how everybody just says not much all the time, isn't it? How, how's things? Yeah, everything's good. Not much. Not much is happening. But everybody's yeah, like always the, so busy. When the kids come from home from school, what did you do today? Not much. All right, okay. <laughs> you were at a party all weekend. What happened? Oh, not much. You were away on holiday for a week. What happened? Uh, not much. Oh, all right, okay. It's like, it's almost a go away and leave me alone sort of talk. That's what everybody says, though, isn't it, Anna? Ah, uh, it is, it is. Well, I suppose I wanted to say not much apart from work. So, mm. yeah. We will give you that. So, for people who don't know you, uh, do you want to just give everyone a little bit of a, a background on who you are and even just a little bit around where you work and what you do? Sure. Um, so, I'm Anna Demeni. Uh, I come from Romania initially. I've been living in the UK for the past five years. Um, I've been a developer, a .NET developer for a while, and then I, I've been a, a consultant, a CRM consultant for the past six years, I think. Um, and then I moved into, you know, more of the power, power platform. So I do a lot of Azure, I do a lot of integration, a lot of serverless. So I'm trying to architect systems that, um, you know, talk to each other in the cloud. So I've got my heads in the, in, in, in the cloud, essentially. This is who I am. And that's um, not even the cloud, like your head's in the cloud as in you don't know what you're doing. Your head's just in the proverbial cloud as in Microsoft world. In, yeah, that's exactly, so my head is literally in the Microsoft Cloud, in between the servers, you see. <laughs> that's where I am. Um, One cool. of the things I, I love, and you probably get this all the time, but it's Transylvania you're from, isn't it? It is, yeah. I'm a little see, I remembered that. Yep. Yes. Have you ever seen a vampire? I haven't. They only come over if you if you invite them. I've never invited one, so I, I haven't seen a vampire in real life ever. But I'm sure they they you know they exist. So when kind of when you were growing up, hmm. was that like a, a myth or anything that you would find? 
a vampire or that you had to you had to cross the road three times or a vampire would come and find you. Is that the sort of thing you got told as a child? I'm, ju- I'm just so interested in it. Nothing like that. We were very friendly with the vampires as I was growing up. So, um, yeah, everyone was hoping to see one. We would happily have, uh, you know, given away our blood just to become one. Maybe I am one, Ian, or Mark. <sighs> Maybe locally yes. round about here, Fuck. when you were growing up, you used to get threatened with somebody called Maggie May, it's our Glaswegian mm. thing, and she stays in like a flat or round the corner from your mum and dad, and your mum and dad would always say to you, if you don't behave, I'm going to take you to Maggie May's, don't know who she is, feel sorry wait, for wait, her. Maggie May? Somewhere is that not like, a Rod Stewart a, song? Maybe, maybe it's something, I don't know. But you used to get threatened yeah, with some just... random woman, imagine being that person. <laughs> When 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 I was growing up, the threat was that uh, they're gonna ask gypsies to come and take us away. But, you know, I loved gypsies. See, that just makes me think of the labyrinth. <laughs> you know, the movie The Labyrinth when the baby gets taken away by the trolls and stuff. Yeah. I'm like that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I love the f- gypsies. I love the colors. I love their culture. They were loved. Mm. They were musical. Yep. They had. All I the love them. <laughs> the, my big fat gypsy wedding and stuff like that on TV over here. I love that sort of thing. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's... Oh. Labyrinth, though, is that the one with Bowie? Ah, the, the dance magic dance. Yeah, that's Jennifer one. Connolly, David Bowie. Jennifer Gen- <laughs> Jennifer Connolly. <laughs> <laughs> Never even clicked there. Well done, Ian. You've, yeah. you've got that one in there. She spells it differently, though. It's a different person, different family. Ah. All right, okay. So to give uh, give everyone an idea, I mean, obviously me and Ian do the sort of, I don't want to say agony ant, but we do the we do the subjects that are not really technical. We can have people on to talk about just real life. Mm. I was about to swear, real life stuff. So what, Ian, do you kind of want to introduce or Anna what we were going to kind of talk about today? Well, I'll let Anna do it. It's Anna's it's podcast at that point as well, and Anna's got a voice here, so we can let Anna do that introduction herself, I think. Yeah, so today um, uh, I'd like us to talk about anxiety and anxiety at, at work and in work progression and things that we're scared of. Um, you know, I've been thinking about this for, for quite a while and I've seen it around me in my own work, but not just in my own work. So uh, last year, this time, um, I ran, you know, a course on dynamics. It was called Learn to Earn, and it was with with people who were just trying to then to take the jump into into dynamics. So we went, we ran this course, and people. You know, they took an exam and uh, now they're certified and ready to go into the dynamics field. And that's awesome because, you know, what I observe is that uh, people coming into this course, uh, they were fiercely capable, extraordinary, extraordinarily capable, very, very smart, very dedicated and very focused. But... Um, I, you know, I was wondering what kept them from going into a different field, you know, altogether. And my conclusion was that it must have been anxiety. Every time I spoke to them, 
it was never about, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to learn this thing. Uh, it was more like, what are people going to think? I'm just going to be a junior. Will there be press pre prejudice? How will I feel? How will I be able to work in an office? You know, things like that. So I think and work anxiety can be such a barrier towards um, career progression and maybe even personal progression at a personal level that I think it's just worth to talk about it. I think it is really good to talk about it. I completely agree. And one of the things that, for me, what you mentioned there about all these people that were really keen, wanting to grow, etc., they're decertified and then don't, not doing anything with it for the fear of hit what will people think, etc. That's, I suppose, one of the things we know that as is imposter syndrome. Yes, and there you go. what what people think or how will they behave? And mm. you know, you, I I see it everywhere. I see it in what I call lift anxiety. Have you ever seen it? You're, Explain it. You're on the lift and you're going to your office. And I work at um, level 28. So 1 to 28, quite a few floors to get through. And you hear people in the lift, you know, s saying things. And they're really troubled. Um, like, for example, today a lady was saying something about how a coworker told her that she wasn't uh, progressing enough or that he didn't see enough um, output from her. Um, and I was thinking that she didn't even, you know, take the time to think of how she could improve the output or how, how can she do better or mm. what exactly made him think that. What was stuck with her and she had not slept all night was the fact that someone thought that she wasn't do doing a, a, a good job. Therefore, everyone must think that. And you end up yeah, focusing on the negative of it. Yes. Yes. And that's, it does do that. I mean, you get the initial thought of, it's, it's once the thought's in your head, if somebody says something, and then some of the times it's just a flippant comment. It's not just it's not somebody out to to attack somebody. It's not somebody trying to put a a negative spin on something. It's it could just be something that's a flippant comment. But if your mind picks it up and takes it that way, you can start to think that oh, what did he really mean by that? Why does he think that? Does that mean everyone else thinks it? It's a it's a spiral. It can happen. It's exactly what I was just going to say. It's self-perpetuating at that point as well, isn't it? When you have anxiety, I mean, anxiety could be simply just a feeling of unease where you're unhappy in something or you've got a little bit of worry, but it's a pin drop in a notion, but it's the ripple effect that it causes that has, I think what Anna's explaining is that, that lift anxiety where you just stress about it, you worry about it, you don't sleep, and you just become this ball of absolute stress, anxiety pain even and if you add that on top of many i don't know long hours we all work long hours right and yeah. we all try and strive to do our best and um you know all of the sudden i think it makes you just very tired um you feel that fatigue you don't feel like really doing anything else 
you're always tired, you're negative at home as well. And the worst thing is that it feels this is what leads to uh, underperformance. So <laughs> it's it's yeah. such a it's such a big circle, and I've seen it. I've seen it with all sorts of people. So I've seen super capable people, very well off, and um, recognized for being very, very good at their job and even more than their job. And uh, they literally have a name maybe in the industry or they're leading massive teams or, uh, you know, they're doing all these things up on top of their day job, and yet they are anxious about maybe one small comment that someone said, or um, some yeah. unintended thing that was caused by something else. Yeah, I mean, anxiety can kind of show itself in, in lots of different ways. I mean, I, I'll be honest, you see, when I get anxious, I need the toilet. That's it's a weird one. Um, anytime I get anxious or I know that I've there's a situation that I'm going to go into that I'm anxious about going into, I get a dodgy stomach. I get feel a little bit sick. Um, I even sometimes get a little bit of the shakes. It's I think anxiety is more common than people think. Yep, I think a lot of people just see it as a. Anxiety is an interesting thing. I think when you look at anxiety itself, to be diagnosed with a generalized anxiety order disorder, you need to have it more often than not over a six month period. Like I might get anxious when I know I'm going to do something, I'm going to do a presentation. It's, it's standard, I, I'm going to get anxious when I get to that point. I know I'm going to get sweaty palms, I know I'm going to get dry mouth, cotton mouth, whatever you want to call it. But that's not necessarily abnormal because I'm pushing myself into an abnormal situation. But it's when that anxiety or when the feelings become the normal that definitely there's something not right. There's something imbalanced there. And what is that something? How do you address that something? How do you identify that something and get over it? Well, yeah. that's that. That's right. How do you address that? How do you get over it? Because many people say when you, um, you know, when you're in a situation like that and um, you know, for example, someone in my team, for example, uh, was very, very um, stressed by a certain situation. And they came to me and told me and, and, and so on. And I almost wanted to say, well, why didn't you raise it? Why didn't you, um, you know, went to someone and I was on holiday at the point. So why didn't you just go to my boss, for example, and 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 say that this was, you know, happening to you, that you felt bullied or that you felt mm -hmm. under a lot of pressure or or that did this made you do some actions that you wouldn't have done otherwise. And yep. and, and then I realized that you can't do that. So if you if if someone's in that situation where they feel a lot of pressure um, and granted a lot of that pressure might just be in their heads, raising it is a big deal. So most companies or most organizations will have like a mental health 
program, <clears throat> but essentially what the mental health product program makes you do is confront the, the person who has caused this um, you know, bad state in you. And, and these people can't do that because the, let's just say the bully <laughs> is maybe not aware that uh, they have been doing that. And also, they are in a superiority position straight away. So they'll be able to argument their way into that behavior. Yeah, they can, so they can try so and justify it to how they feel and how it was appropriate, etc., but not caring about how somebody has felt on the receiving end of it. Well, yeah, I even had the, um, well, I can't control how you feel situation. In, in which case, what can you say? What can you do? And I think if you've been in that situation where you've, you're almost, if you want to confront it or, or open it up, there's cases where you will get anxiety about even doing that. So you're sitting there, you're anxious about the situation, the problems that occurred. You think that you've got an imposter syndrome or you've got you think that everyone is telling you you're poor at your job and you, you're you down because of that and then all of a sudden you want to try and confront it but you then get anxious and nervous about having that conversation to the point where sometimes you don't even have the conversation because you're that bad. Mm. E exactly. So going back to what you said earlier mark you said that when you're anxious you've got a physical response straight away well i believe that when some people are are, are anxious with regards to work um, they they try to regain some of that power back and this is when they are starting to cause uh, you know, trouble for other people around yep. them. For me, that sounds like fight or flight. Yes. So the way you get back is you fight back and you start doing things which are maybe a little more out of character, taking more risks or pushing people certain ways or trying to behave like that person who is forcing you to feel a certain way. You try and mirror that and bounce it onto someone else. And exactly, it causes more grief and strife than it's worth potentially. But it's, again, that situation, as you were just going to say, you've seen it. Yes. So my conclusion is that all of this, um, you know, blockage goes on in circle and it's caused by us people. So even, and, and by, by all of us, potentially. <clears throat> so even by people who are themselves the, the victim of being in, in that situation of being pushed too hard or not being understood or uh, not being given a chance, these people will cause other people anxiety as well. And, you know, I don't, how, how, what can we do to stop it? Do you think the other people that are pushing their anxiety onto other people, do you think they're doing that deliberately? Or do you think that's just kind of like a byproduct of, of what's happening? No, I don't think they're doing it deliberately. 
I don't. But I don't think they're thinking about it either. No, I mean, I, as a kind of line manager, I, I get things that are said from the top down. So, hi, Mark, here's, here's a couple of objectives that you've got. Um, and I'll be thinking, mm, well, that one there is maybe, I don't know about that. I don't think I'll be able to get that done. I'm very conscious that if I don't think I can get it done or get a little bit anxious about it, I don't want to pass that on to somebody else to do. And then I will almost kind of try and own that problem and send myself in a little spiral of, I can't let anyone do it. I can't then say to somebody, I can't do it because they'll think I'm not good enough. And I, you just go into that little ball. That, just that little yes. ball where you're just a an anxious anxious hedgehog with all your, your pricks sticking out. So you see, that happens to me too. But then when this happens, for, for me is something that I can control. So if there's something that I can control, so not everyone, you know, the rest of the team, they're not going to be able to do it, but then I'm going to be able to do it, and then I just do it, and for me it's control. But that's not necessarily the best management, is it? <laughs> no, and it's it's maybe a learned behavior as well yeah. that you don't want to put anyone else under pressure, but by doing that, you're putting yourself under pressure. And also by, um, you know, you're trying to protect people that you're working with. The moment you take even a few days of holiday, that all goes tumbling down because, you know, the people who you are working with, all of a the sudden they're going to have, you know, direct access to, you know, the people who are actually putting the pressure. And they're going to feed it take 10 times more intense. Um, yeah, there's definitely, definitely something with that. And it's, it is a difficult one because you, I mean, I know anxiety is, is a chemical imbalance. It's not something that you can warrant away. It's not something that you can even kind of proactively stay away from. Nine times out of 10 though as well, the anxiety isn't caused by something that you're doing. Anxiety is by something else. It's an outside force that's causing it. You don't really have the mechanism to say, world, don't do this. There's, It's not within your grasp half the time. And it's just, how do you manage it? How do you put coping mechanisms in? And as you said, how do you make sure that you're not making somebody anxious? Mm. And that's, that is a big thing. And I don't think... I'll be honest, personally, I don't think I I think about that as often as I maybe should do. So, in, I thought about it uh, qu quite a bit uh, because uh, I don't even, so as you said, anxiety is a chemical imbalance and I really don't know enough about it. Um, but I'm just, I'm always thinking about a nice work environment, a good work environment. This is where I believe people perform best. And I actually think 
that the disruptor, the common disruptor, is unpredictable behavior. Um, so what I want to say by that is, um, you know, you have those, those, those people who are all very happy or um, they, they put on this um, very celebratory um, attitude like, oh, well done, congratulations, da -da -da, stuff like that. But then they become vicious in private. Okay. There's, yeah, I mean, I know, I mean, kind of jumping maybe onto the depression side of it a little bit, though, is I know that there are people who will, are depressed or they're anxious, and what they'll do is they will use all of their energy to get into work nine to five, Monday to Friday, and basically paint a smile on their face, pretend they're happy, pretend everything's okay. And then when they go home, they're so tired from pretending that they're happy or pretending that there's nothing wrong because there, there is still the stigma that if you are, if you have kind of long-term generalized anxiety or you have severe to mild depression, that you're weak, that you're, you can't be trusted, you can't process things, you're going to take time off work. There's still that huge stigma around it. So people will spend all day being positive, smiley, high-fiving everyone, making the coffees, being as loud and out there as they can, and then they will just go home, and by 7 o'clock at night, they're sleeping. They're that tired because of what they've Do done you know what during the day. I'm going to say to that as well, though. There's a lot of props that you give to people in that situation as well because they're probably the strongest people you know. Though there might be this stigma to it, but you think about how much effort it takes them to get up in the morning, put that face on, to go to work. Yet might not be the right thing for them, but that's some amount of strength it takes to do that. To get yourself out of the dark space that you feel a bit mute in and go to work to get in that lift, to go up 28 floors, that takes strength. Not everybody has that strength. A lot of people would fail at an earlier point Brilliant. but there's a, it's yes. about identifying exactly it getting right. it there and how do you spot the signals in these people before they go to quote carissa code dread because if they get to the point that it's too far there's no coming back you're going to lose good staff you're going to lose good people you're going to lose good friends because these people will move on they'll go somewhere else if they're getting bullied if they're not getting what they want in work if they're not happy in work the option is fight or flight you leave you move i've done it myself Yes. So you have this person, right? Um, and maybe you're right, but you're not like you're not doing a uh, you're not adding a diagnostic because you don't know, right? But you know that someone's just unpredictable. It's mind blowing. They change direction from one moment to the to the other. They they look perfectly happy now and then they 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 manage to work themselves up you know right next to a panic attack with yeah. with with someone else and unloading all of that stress onto onto someone else and then granted you you sympathize for that person because they 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 do need help but is that actually causing more more imbalance 
so there are a couple of things really i mean so i we've come we're talking about this at quite a a prominent time because i spent last week on a mental health first aid course and one of the main subjects that we covered was general symptoms of anxiety panic attacks um, what are the physical psychological and behavioral effects of anxiety and it's really what it's twofold it's being mindful that you have to look after yourself and make sure you're healthy but you also have to be very very mindful that what you can say as flippant as a comment it is um, something that you say that you might not even think is a negative comment can be in somebody's mind if they're already um, already down there. That could be something that that just sets them off. I think one of the other bits is also looking at right. Okay, so what? How do you recognise anxiety in somebody? So are they avoiding certain situations are they are they going quiet were they a bubbly person but now are kind of reclusive sitting away not having lunch with people sitting with their headphones on and not talking to anyone have they maybe become a bit obsessive with certain things do they have to do how do they have to go on website at lunch and read all the all the documents on it or is it like a more physical symptom where you can see somebody's losing weight, that there may be breathing patterns are a bit different or they're always going to the toilet, just little things like that. It's just, it's keeping an eye on you and the people around you to, to try and help. The biggest thing is if you do know somebody that is is that way or you are yourself, it's actually just talking about it. That's the, the biggest thing that you can do about it is be as open. It's difficult to do. I mean, it's it's fucking really difficult to, to tell somebody you're not coping, but you can only really get out of that place by, by talking. And once you recognize that you do, you are not coping exactly as you said, let's just say you, you speak to someone or you just keep it to yourself, maybe. I believe that's the key actually recognizing that you're not you're not coping with a certain situation and trying to understand why or what's going on or what's what's the reason behind it you know i i i thought i wasn't coping with the situation for example them i said i wasn't going to talk about me a friend um <laughs> noticed <laughs> that they weren't quite coping with the situation and you know, it happened exactly as you described, avoiding certain um, tasks or emails or people or feeling feeling very um, uh, put back by some of the interactions with, with a certain person. And then once, you know, once my friend has recognized <laughs> that they weren't quite coping, took a step back and tried to understand what was going on. And, you know, I actually understood that the person causing all this, um, you know, all this um, situation, they had their own stuff on their plate and they had their own yep. pressure and their own 
you know, goals and they wanted to achieve something as well. Then I, th I think that's um, key there as well, Anna. Think, like I should say, the, your friend at yeah. that point in time, the their control mechanism kicked in. <laughs> they knew that actually I'm I'm that's acting right. out of sorts at the moment. So what I need to do is take that step back and reevaluate the situation. And that works for your friend. It doesn't work for everybody else in that way, but for your friend mm -hmm. in that situation, that allowed them to then feel connected again and actually look at the bigger picture to realise, I feel like this, but you know what? I can see where they're coming from. I can see they've got their own agenda. They've got their own issues. And, and understanding that waterfall from it and being able to then address it and deal with it and direct the, the water flow in the appropriate way. Yes, and you know, the moment you you realize that, or the moment my friend realized that, <laughs> all the emails, all of the interactions, all of the sudden, they were not aggressive at yep. all. They were just not a cry for help, but um, you know, that person was just too proud to yeah you might know. find uh, i don't know obviously mm -hmm. i don't know the emails and things like that but you might have found they were more depersonalized than they would have been normally because they're detached yes. they're disconnecting from themselves their body their mind and they're putting down on paper almost what is factual and i think that's one of the problems when you read an email and things there's no conveying tone and sentiment and it's really hard and the choice of words can be more aggressive than they mean to be and if you're in a situation where you're unsure in something, you'll always read it the worst way that you can, because that's human nature. So I know people who will not go for a promotion because they're afraid to work with a certain person. Uh, and that's not me, for sure, by the way. I would go for a promotion. It does not matter, man. <laughs> Good. But seriously now, can you imagine being offered, um, you know, the chance to step up in your career? And of course, you've worked for it years upon years upon years, and then you decide not to go for it, and you're basing an excuse of, oh, maybe I'm not ready yet, just because you're afraid you're going to have to deal with someone day after day after day and you're already anxious and you're already you feel i quote like an idiot so already. other than imagine it i've been there there's a company that i won't work for because of one person that works there a whole company a whole organization because i'd need to interact with a person not so much now but a certain point in time there was definitely a business that i was like i can't go there because they're there i just don't want to deal with that person I work with you more often than not for my sins, let's be honest. But yeah, so I can empathize in that situation. I can understand it. But my choice, right or wrong for me, was to avoid a whole effectively global organization because of it. So is it maybe two things, though? Is there maybe a little bit of anxiety there, but also yes, personal for me, conflict resolution? In that situation, I think more than anxiety... It was personal conflict resolution. It was just easier for me not to put myself in that position. Because I know that in that position, it made me act away from who I normally am. Okay. 
so yeah, so putting yourself into that position, you yeah. So what you have to be quite proactive with is is these sort of things. So if you know there is a situation that would have an effect on you, then then don't go for it. So it's maybe it isn't actually maybe your friend there, Anna, has actually found a good coping mechanism to not put themselves into a situation that would affect their mental health. So maybe, maybe actually that person should be commended for identifying it, for yep. making choices about the person. Yeah, making choices about that rather than because yeah, there would be this anxiety. Oh, I'm scared having to work with this person. But let's be honest, I don't want to work with that person because I know it's going to have a detrimental effect on my mental health. Is is a positive and excellent way to put a spin on it. I'm finding it very, very hard to agree with you, but I am going okay. to agree no, with that's... you. No, 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 no. Uh, I, we're... And I'm finding it very hard because of my own... That's just what I was going to say there as well, and this is okay. our take on it. Obviously, there's no right and wrong necessarily based on my experiences or what Mark's saying there. It's everybody is different, and you have to find your own control because that's how you, for me, Again, finding my own control it allows me to identify when I find that I'm getting into that situation. So I go, hold up, step back. What's happening? Right, okay, take take evaluation right back into it. And it's just, it's, it's like a war plan for me a little bit, but that's what works for me, whether it works for your friend or anyone else. I don't know. I'm sure everybody else will have their own opinions on it. So do you think with your friend then it was that they were they were anxious that working for that person would just lead to more anxiety or would lead to like conflict? I think a bit of both. Yes, I think a bit of both. Mostly conflict. I, I believe you're you're right. It's mostly you know, face to face confrontation. It's it's I, I it's hard because they're both multipliers have... for each other in that situation. Yes. Did you just say it was horrible? <laughs> That's what I sounded like you said. It's either that or I'm hungry. One of the two. It's it's hard to. Um, I believe it's hard to have these conversations or these confrontations with with your own boss, but not just with your own boss, but. People are so different. Like I learned how different people are, at least in the last year, and how everyone has their own needs, and um, and that's a very, very valuable lesson mm-hmm. that I have learned. Um, so I know it's very, for most people I know. Uh, Having a conflict, a face-to-face conflict, that's that's terrifying. Well, I'm I'm in exactly the same boat. That's that is my idea of hell. <laughs> I if there is if there is a problem, I will shirk away from it. If I have to go and have a, well, I was going to say have an interesting chat with somebody. Um, Ian's probably aware of a situation that I've had over the past couple of weeks where I've had to go and have conversations and I was quite anxious about it. I didn't want to have the conversations because 
it was a face-to-face conversation that I had to have, I could have done it by email and just sent that email and done it by email. But doing so, I think would have given that person I was having the conversation with um, probably their own issues with anxiety. Mm-hmm. So what so, are we yeah, saying here, guys? Are we saying so, that everyone causes anxiety for someone? I think so. Mm-hmm. Not, I, and I, we say that, but not on purpose. Yes. I, I don't think anyone, unless you're an arsehole, there are arseholes out there, but I don't mm-hmm. think anyone goes out and actively says, oh, I'm going to make Ian feel like <laughs> I don't know about that. Today. Don't. <laughs> well, I do that every day. That's, that's just me, but I don't think anyone goes out. Sorry, I, I say anyone. I don't think the majority of people would go out with that mindset. Um, we have to... It's difficult to manage our own anxiety because unless you're acutely aware of it, how do you know what to manage? You could just feel like, oh, this is how it's meant to feel. This is how life is meant to be. I think educating people on that, that is, is quite, exactly a, that. quite like, a big thing. Anxiety could be as simple as feel intense. It could be just that you're worrying about something. It could yes. be that you have this ultimate sense of dread that makes you want to vomit. It could be, as you said, your physical shaking can't get up and everything else. So small. Anxiety is not just this big thing. You don't suddenly just get anxiety. It starts in a small little nugget or something that builds up. And until you know what that is, you don't know it's anxiety. I don't think. No, I got um, sent on a blog earlier on today as well that they want to start at primary school level teaching children about mental health. And I think that's a good thing because if you're aware of your mental health and how your mental health affects what you do, you will be aware of how your mental health or how other people's mental health can be affected by what you do. And I think a lot of places need to to look and I know we're kind of talking about anxiety in the workplace I think or hope that a lot of companies now are being a lot more proactive with how they how they deal with mental health because if there are people who are anxious or, or depressed and having somewhere they can go or they can talk to and be open about it is a lot better because I mean i I'll, I'll be honest, I work at Incremental Group. We have something like 30 trained mental health first aiders within the company. So we have an environment where it's okay to be not okay. It's pretty much exactly what it is. You can go and speak to people about it. It's out in the open. If you're feeling that way, we are open and you can talk to anyone about it. And I think the more and more workplaces get into that mindset then that will start to harbour the future of what mental health is and how open and honest people can be about it. And just by being open and honest, that can be a, a good a good thing. I've, I would probably say my mental... It's a weird one, right? My mental health, I feel, is better now that I talk about mental health a lot because it's not a... It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad word. It's there. It can be talked about. 
Um, an example of what we were doing last week. Do you know how hard it is to ask somebody if they're feeling like committing suicide? Sounds like a simple question, but it's a difficult one to ask somebody because the word itself has a big stigma against it. And it's the same with mental health. There's lots of stigma around it. So if you have an environment where people can talk about it openly, then in just conversation, you can then open up yourself. That was a rant and a wee bit of a tangent, but yes, I got That's in the end. Good. One of the things that I, I kind of want to go back to a little bit is one of the things that Anna said, in the last year, you've learned more about people and things and how people are and how people function. Yes, I... A question, and it might be, I don't know if there's a genuine answer for this that you'll know or not, but obviously you've been in the UK for five years or so as well, so you've got a different different element there as well, yes. where you're from a, a different background, a different culture almost. That must bring its own challenges as well, understanding who you are, well, where you are, and where you fit in. You know, Ian, every time I get in a room, and it being a meeting or maybe a workshop or whatever it is, I will instinctively count people. And then I try to figure out who, how many of them are foreigners. And I work in financial services at the moment, so not many are. That in itself <laughs> attracts uh, yep. nervousness, you see. Um, you're there in a room and you feel completely alone and everyone... Um, seems to just be staring at you and they just they're just waiting for you to say something um, and and you, you're afraid that what you're gonna say is not gonna be clever enough or informed enough or good enough and then a lot of the times you don't say anything or I don't say anything until very late on and then, you're accused of withholding information. So it's such a circle, you see, <laughs> being from another country in a yep. high-powered environment where people are used to having things done in a certain way. Um, it's very different culture-wise. We're used to, so for, in Romania, we're used to doing things and we sort of expect for people to see that things have been done um, over here within the UK everyone communicates so they socialize whatever they've been doing to other people and this is this counts as value uh, maybe a lot more than actually doing stuff and that oh for me that's such a big conflict in my head um, that you very very difficult to do yeah so i mean that could be quite a big thing i was even and this is maybe a strange one i mean i know your grasp of english is better than my <laughs> grasp of english and i say things like honors as well, well. but <laughs> honors we have to get honors in every podcast now but when i was over in finland I was talking for Auntie um, on field service and just around lunchtime we were in rooms and people were talking in a different language 
And I was like, what are they saying? Are they saying this fat gimp is, is rubbish at what he's doing? You just, you don't know what's being said. And it just, it puts you, think, it puts you on edge. So I can imagine at the start that might have been, must have been quite a, a big thing as well for you. It was. Um, and I thought that my way of dealing with it was obviously the only way of dealing with it because yep. I didn't know anything else. But then the reason why I'm saying that in the last year, maybe year and a half, I learned more about people um, is because within my own team, I've, I've got a very diverse group of people uh, that I've tried very, very hard to recruit, get them to join, get them to stay, <laughs> help them evolve, and, 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 and all of that. And each of these individuals, they require a totally different level of engagement. And that's a big deal because I believe it's representative in a way for my small world how these people are, how they expect to be um, dealt with, what makes them happy, and so on. Um, I do have a big, a, a big problem um, because it's um, it is a language barrier. So in Romanian, we never say. Would you do that for me, for example? Can you please get me that report? Or I would okay. have such and such do that task. We don't because it feels imposing, right? It's like I will command those people to do something. Um, whereas within my own language, we would say, um, <clears throat> please, can you do that? So that's that's all right, or uh, maybe I will ask someone to do this, or um, we together will produce that report, you know, rather than saying yep. I'll have Ian deliver that. It's, it's a very different take on things. Uh, See, I, I would maybe slightly disagree with you there then. I think that's about terminology and how people do things because I would I would never say, right, you go away and do this task. I'll say, I've got this task. Would you be okay to work on it? Or there's this bit of work coming up. I'll have a chat with Ian to see yep. if it's something that he could deliver. Yeah, but I that's wouldn't... different from I have this task. I'll have Ian do it. Or even to uh, my business analyst, um, we'll do that. Yeah, I don't think... <laughs> people don't belong people to other don't people. don't belong to other people, but I think... No, no, I... Is yeah. that be an environment in where you're working as well? Because I know certainly with where I am, uh, I get given tasks. That's how I work as a contractor. But I get when I get given a task, it's, would you be okay to work on this? Do you have capacity to work on this? Uh, or when I'm delivering something, I'll talk about the the we i don't really say i as such or i did this and i'll, I'll give credit to the other people that have done things but we have delivered something and i don't know if that's just where the situation i'm in but i get the language thing like i say all the time that's not a problem or no problem 
that's a negative thing to say apparently you shouldn't say no problem so i understand that language barrier and differences and terminology and things i totally appreciate where you're coming from i don't know if i necessarily agree with it in my environment and what i've experienced but i understand well i believe that just by taking that approach that you guys have that's maybe just as valuable as the the mental health squads or you know helping hands because it, it just bridges gaps it's yeah it's i'll be honest there has been to being kind yeah i think it's uh i don't think it's a cultural thing i think that might be company to company that that happens um i could probably point to a couple of companies where i've worked where that maybe has okay. been the environment that has happened but i i um i've probably learned from that and picked up lessons and uh, totally 180 on how they work to cuz you don't get as many people engaged if you're just dishing out tasks here pal go and do that kindness costs nothing days. they need to kill them with kindness and you, ask but you're not we're not it's not a dictatorship yeah you're there to work but it's not a dictatorship you shouldn't be dictated to this is a this is the goal this is how we have to get there let's work to get there that, that's kind of it yeah because yeah, let's be honest everybody at that company or at a company is there to make money the more money that the company make the more money that can flow through to them so it's in everyone's interest to be kind and work together and not be general aladdin the dictator I did just quote Ali G. Yes, I did. Oh my word! <laughs> no. Did you oh my word! <laughs> I'm actually crying. I'm actually crying I at that comment. It was such a well, <laughs> what I know that was such a rant to end up on an Ali G <laughs> reference. What? What? <laughs> Have you ever seen that film yet, Anna? Um, the Dictator. Um, I have not. I should, huh? Yes, I will send you a link to that one later. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. About films, about films. Have you guys seen Chernobyl? I, I, yes, uh, I just watched series, episode the four last night. From HBO. Uh, oh my god! It's grim. I am about to pick up. It's, really, you know, it's. See now, I I want you to talk about it, you, but I don't want you to talk about it. I, I think if you look at the stats for Chernobyl, they still are saying that only like, so something like forty people died directly from Chernobyl. Really? <laughs> yes, but then because obviously all of the wind blew west and uh, guess who the closest western country oh, is yeah. from Ukraine <laughs> um, there had there, yeah there's the impact is devastating even I remember as a kid when it happened and I remember we were not there was a whole thing about not eating various types of meat and things here because of the rain that would have fed the grass that the cows were eating and the sheep were eating and things like that I have some minuscule recollection of that same minuscule I remember it quite vividly to be fair but that would suggest my age more than I want to <laughs> yeah I, I, 
I don't remember that. The only part that I remember is we used to have at school, they used to bring people over from Chernobyl and surrounding areas to come to the school for a couple of weeks. Such um, a horrific I mean, thing that happened. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to watch that one, and I will send you a WhatsApp later on 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 my thoughts off that. Good. But I've seen everyone's been talking about it, so it's definitely it's, definitely it's on the mind list. blowing. It's mind blowing, but um, yeah, you know, for, for us being a neighboring country, the effects are only really shown. Now. Oh, really? You could see families of nine, ten kids all dying of cancer within a few years in their fifties. They'd have been, they'd have been um, like, wow. So yeah, I mean, it's really a whole. You can't really say, oh, it's because of that. Yeah. But at the same time, as it's oh. odd and the way that it, it's hard. It's a... to, for me, it's hard to say that it's not a cause and reaction to it. Like everything that we spoke about today, it's got a cause and reaction, right? So all these people that are dying and all the things that you're now seeing and things from, it's hard to say that it's not directly related, other than it's just a really strange coincidence. But wow, like it's 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 just mind blowing. I mean, the fact that it's almost like a whole generation of people who are affected by it in some way or another, you can't discount that in the slightest. Yeah, yeah, so, no, not in our lifetimes. Okay, so I will be uh, I will be watching that over the next couple of days. So one thing you were very very coy about and you barely touched on earlier on was the amazing thing that you done last year with your go learn earn. Now, learn to you. Learn. Yes, I know I get it wrong every single time, Anna. I know I get it wrong all the time, and Ian will cut that out of the podcast. Um, so, but you, you don't, you don't take the credit for that that you should do, and I know you didn't do it to get credit, but I obviously directly because somebody who was on your course was somebody who I was mentoring at the time as well. Um, had nothing but amazing things to say about you as a person and the course as well. Um, I just don't think you've had the recognition that you deserve for that. Cause and reaction, yet again. Uh, well, yes. I'm now don't and now, now stop being as, humble. I'm not as visible as other people, you know, are. They're much better than me. I'm making myself visible, so maybe because of that, the program was an absolute success. Um, it was. Um, you know, taking eight ladies from some of them from absolutely nothing, never worked in an office, never had any contact with technology to the point of not knowing Excel or Microsoft Word, and then doing an exhausting eight weeks course twice a week, every night at 8 p.m. online in. These people were able to learn dynamics and then they were able to present dynamics. And finally, they were able to, to pass the exam. Uh, like one of the ladies I can still see now, um, she used to be a translator and I'm just so proud of her. I think she's got like three or four exams now in dynamics. So, how cool is that? Oh, you know. 
these people just needed a little bit of help and not just with learning the, the course, but also with providing a little bit of encouragement and getting confidence on peers. That's exactly right. So I've done that so you had last year. Um, did all eight people get a certificate? All of them. All of that, them. I mean, that in itself is amazing. Amazing people, and um, you know, because I've I've been thinking a lot about a you know the efficiency of a free course versus a paid course, and my course was was free. Uh, many opinions say that when something's for free. People take it for granted, and they don't really appreciate it. They don't really do the work. Um, in my case, I was very fortunate to have these ladies on board. They absolutely did all of the work. It was not always easy just setting aside two hours you know, every week. Um, and then some of them... With some of them, we did some courses on the weekend as well, just to catch up on stuff that were not completely understood during the course with everyone else. And and they have children at home, their moms. It was an incredible yeah. effort. Any yeah, I think that's really it's hard, isn't it, when you do a free course? I agree. Having been on free courses that were my choice to go to, I pay attention to them because I've chose to do it. If it's a paid course, for me, that generally your work's paid for you to be there. You probably can't be bothered being there. You probably don't feel that you need to be there, but you're there for the free lunch that your work are providing. So I think there's 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 definitely two schools of thought on that. But I do agree. There's some people going a free course as well, just because they can say they've been in the course and probably don't give it the dedication they should. But you were fortunate. The girls that you had on and the people that you had on your course were diligent enough, they sat down and they done it. But I think, as Mark says, you need to take credit for that as well, Anna, because you've done that. You've empowered these people to go on and do bigger and better things generally. They wouldn't be where they are if they wouldn't have taken that leap. They wouldn't have had the confidence to do that. They might have had an anxiety about doing coming on the course first off, but you were the person that said to them, you can do this and I'll show you how. And then they go, actually, I can do this. Awesome. And move onwards and take the steps themselves. You just gave them that catalyst. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So are there plans for any more? Well, uh, I recently joined TDG. Everyone knows TDG. They're awesome. They do loads of things. I don't know when. Uh, I think they have 40-hour days, I think. Uh, I can't explain it otherwise. Um, but these guys, they've set up, obviously, a platform of knowledge transfers, uh, you know, hackathon sessions, conferencing, all sorts of, of knowledge transfers. So my idea is, as part of TDG, to embed this as part of TDG and, and you know, get some help from some of the other members as well. And um, I'm there as a, as a community lead 
and, and as a mentor. So I'm going to try and take it to the le- to the next level and do a course on 365 still, so still Dynamics 365 CE for people to gain more knowledge around that, but then also on um, a little bit of help on how to speak at events. So Ian, you, you mentioned about how anxious you are when you need to prepare for an event and speak at, a, at an event and present something. Well, this course would help me with my own anxiety because I normally present very, very technical sessions. I'm always very afraid no one's going to attend. Um, I'm always you know, scared that I'm not actually saying anything relevant for those people. And I think I just need more people to make very, very technical sessions on Azure with Dynamics 365 with the Power Platform. So I'm going to try and inspire more people to do it. And that they have the technical platform where you can record things and put it on in a library so that it's accessible to everyone, really. Yes. So anyone who wants that can then pick up that's a that is a great thing and have you got any any more speaking engagements coming up well i'm um i'm hoping to go to zurich uh, for the 365 saturday um and then i'm gonna go manchester so these are the two zurich 15th of june and then manchester on the 28th 29th i think Okay. Now, I think the last time I spoke with you, I'm trying, I can't even remember where it was now. It was a you were, event. No, I'm sure there was somewhere else that we've had a chat, and you were looking to start bringing people from your work on and doing half, like splitting the presentation half and half. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's happened, actually. Okay. I was able to do It was like my trial run for the... <laughs> for the bigger program where I want to bring more people into, to, to, you know, to speak about technical uh, sessions. Yep. So uh, there is a person from my work and he was very, very interested um, about presenting something, but he was very scared about doing it. Um, of course, very, very smart, very, very efficient. So what we've done uh, was a presentation on a bot, and that goes with, um, you know, Azure and Dynamics 365 CE, and the bot was a, a very, very fun um, functionality thing that we've done. So um, what the bot did was plan a party, so the whole... Okay. The whole room was engaged to actually chip in to plan that party, and then the bot uh, <laughs> planned the party for us. And yeah, so his name is Dias Manjali, and he okay. he's actually developed the bot bit, and then he presented the bot, and he was very very happy. Um, so we're gonna do some more. I thought that was a major success. Yeah. As so is the plan. Is the plan then to do another presentation together and then let him go out and do one on his own? Is that sort of what you want to try and do? I wanted to encourage him to do one on his own 
um, now, but I don't think he felt completely comfortable with doing that. I wanted to encourage him to take the same party planning board, but present it in a different audience, a different forum. Um, he was not sure about that yet. So I think we are going to do another presentation together. Uh, and then he's going to do one on his own. See, that that is quite cool. I, I do like that. Just getting somebody who's not as confident about something, build the confidence, build the confidence, <laughs> and then you're free like a butterfly. Away you go and talk as many times as you want. Yes, he's such a wonderful person and, you know, one of those people who don't cause anxiety for anyone. He's just very kind, yes. So are you, are you going to do that with other people within your business or in the community in general? Try and get them. Is that what the sort of the tie-in with TDG is going to be about getting people confident for speaking at events? I don't believe that within the business, but I'm hoping that within the community, yes. That's cool. See, that's quite good. There's there's so many, and it's it's mainly developers or technical people. There's so many people who are absolutely amazing at what they do, but they're either lacking in self-confidence, they don't think people want to hear about them, whereas they're some of the best minds in the business. They just don't have the, the confidence. And it's doing things like that that get people up there to a wider audience and push people on. That so that is 100%. awesome awesome thing you're doing well i believe there is a portal it's called i think it's called speaker mentors or something like that <clears throat> and a lot of people okay. have signed on to that and you'll see people speaking about microsoft technology still like sql um azure uh, all sorts of other frameworks as well, big data, stuff like that. But there's nothing really on Dynamics or on the Power Platform. And I believe that's because people um, have been so good in, you know, growing their own career, personality, and knowledge base that this community just flourished. But at the same time, I think there are many voices, talented voices that are not heard at the moment. I'm merely trying to let them know that they're brilliant. That's all. Oh, that's definitely, definitely a, a good thing. There are, there's plenty of people out there who have got the skill sets. They just need that, that little push or that little lift to get them there. And then you're going to be able to go to any event and there's going to be so many cool people there. Yeah. So is there, I know you say you're not very active on social media, but do you want to share where you are so that people can, can follow you, see what you're doing, where you're speaking, or what you're up to with TDG? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Anna Demeni, and you can find me on LinkedIn with my name as well. I will reply to all of the uh, questions that you've got. I will be very, very open to help anyone who would like to actually, uh, I don't know, get into the community um, by speaking, by helping others with their knowledge on dynamics. Um, so, yeah, just, just reach out. Thanks for listening. 
Remember to subscribe to the podcast with your favorite app and check out crm.audio for information on all the other shows on the network.